Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Mayamo Chris Ferry, and this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we are very excited to be talking to you about the second film from the director of Donnie Darko, Southland Tales. I'm going to tell you the story of the journey down the road not taken. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. These are the sordid tales of how it all came crashing down. This is an epic Los Angeles crime saga. And you're researching your role? Yes, it takes place in the near future. Scientists are saying the future is going to be far more futuristic than they originally predicted. You're gonna have to wear a bulletproof vest. Let's talk about your phone. What's it really about? Don't look so scared, Mr. Santeros. The future is just like you imagine. Someone must be hiding it. It's like the nervous breakdown of the century. Nothing that a killer, a porn star, and a tattoo parlor can't handle. <laughs> it is time for a surgical strike. Don't commit suicide. It all ends tonight. It had to be this way. be a lot less violence in the world if everyone just got a little more cardio. So, I've got a synopsis. Synopsis it up for us. So, it is a 2006 film directed by Richard Kelly. And uh, here's the synopsis. With the United States under the threat of nuclear attack, the lives of several people converge in a dystopian Los Angeles. Movie star boxer Santeros, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, plans his next film with the help of ambitious porn actress Krista Now, Sarah Michelle Geller, and troubled policeman Roland Tavner, Sean William Scott. Meanwhile, Marxist revolutionaries, greedy corporations, and secretive government agencies pursue their separate agendas among a paranoid populace. So there are those actors, those three actors that we mentioned, and then a bunch more. So a bunch um, more, a bunch, a bunch. So why don't you, uh, why don't you start out for us? Well, so the first thing that struck me was that I recognized, it seemed like everybody in this movie, every little bit character, every, you know, brother-in-law, it was, it's just, whether or not they were all A-list names at the time, they were certainly all recognizable faces, right? Will Sasso from Mad TV, Sherry O'Terry, 
from Saturday Night Live. Um, what's the guy's name here, sir? Yeah, yeah, the guy's name from uh, Night Court. Uh, no, it wasn't Night Court. Um, he was one of the senators, like right hand men. John Larroquette. John yeah, Larroquette. He, he was on Night Court. You've got Curtis Armstrong from Revenge of the Nerds. Nora Dunn from she was an SNL person, yeah. right? Um, yeah. John Lovitz from SNL. Mandy Moore is in it. Yeah. Amy Poehler. You have Amy several. Poehler. I forgot Amy Poehler. And, I mean, you're just like, oh, it's this guy. Oh, it's her. Oh, it's both of those two. It was just on and on and on. I'm like, there's not. They got people to sign up to do this movie. Anyway, so I was looking at it and I was like, it has all of these people in it. How have I never heard of this? Well, I've never heard of this because it's a disaster. <laughs> it's a disaster. And I didn't understand the magnitude of at least the financial disaster this movie was until you sent me that article. Um and that we should touch on where the guy's like, oh, this is still a work in progress. I'm like, a work in progress? You spent almost $18 million on it. And it made something like... like 350000 or something. Yeah, less than $400,000. I mean, that is... That's breathtaking. How does the movie not make more money than that? Just... If you did a video release, it would make more money than that. If you released it overseas, bundled to something else, it would make more money than that. That's like, I apparently they debuted it at Cannes and it just was panned. And maybe that's as far as it went. Maybe it never saw a theatrical release because I'm like $350,000 um, is nothing. It was a limited release, it says. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's very early. Um, the Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Um, it's pretty early, it feels like, for uh, the acting career of Justin Timberlake. We Justin Timberlake yeah. is in it. Yeah, he'd only done a few things prior to this. And it was right in the right in the sweet spot for Sean. Uh, What's the name? Sean William Scott. Yeah. Stifler, basically. So he he was there was a cluster of films. And I feel like that was right around the time when he was busy doing a lot of things. I I have tried to put my finger on what makes this movie so bad. Because nobody, you know, these are all people that are comfortable in front of the camera. It's not like it's incompetent acting. Mm -hmm. I think it's mostly that the script and the direction, it, it's sort of the project doesn't seem to know what movie it is, like what it's trying to do or what it's trying to say. In the article, the guy's like, oh, we were trying to do too much. And I'm like, was it clear to me what you were trying to do? on any scale right it was very confusing there were moments of comedy because it's full of really gifted comedic actors and actresses um but on but it doesn't feel funny on paper and it takes itself weirdly serious at times 
alternately playing for a laugh and playing for like, no, this is this is really important sort of dystopian sci-fi. I don't know. And what are your thoughts? I think that so Richard Kelly, the writer director, I think his story is a lot more interesting than the story of this movie. So he did Donnie Darko. He wrote and directed Donnie Darko. Massive which, hit, right? What say that again? I'm sorry. Was it which was a massive hit, right? Well, not at first. It was released right around um, 9/11, and it was you know there's a plane crash ash that is a big aspect of the so it was oh it's a plane crash we don't want anything to do with the plane crash so it kind of flopped theatrically and it was a small movie independent movie but it found a big audience on video and became this kind of cult classic so he was a kind of one of the it directors at that time and it was like okay what's he going to do next and I have to, you know, this is just my own conjecture, but I have to guess that the studio maybe approached this like, okay, Donnie Darko was this confusing film, but it came together and people liked it. So here's another confusing script and we don't understand it, but Donnie Darko was this cult thing. So the kid knows something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it so anyway i'll double back that to that in a, in a minute so this flopped horribly as as we said and then he did another movie in 2009 called the box that stars um cameron diaz and uh james uh marston or whatever his name is who was uh cyclops in the x-men movies and it it made like 33 million dollars but i think it was maybe even a bigger budget than this and that pretty much killed his career he hasn't directed anything since then now i did read an article where, where he said he has worked on some other things uncredited um and that he's been offered some other things that he wasn't interested in which i kind of wonder if he's someone who he only wants to do his own you know stuff that he's written himself so watching this movie I think it's shot really well. I yeah. think it it looks good. Oh, it's definitely so, a professional film. I mean, yeah, and I think he is a, as visually. I think he's a talented director. And I kept thinking all during this with all the streaming stuff now, how is this guy not getting work? Because he could, you know, there's any number of streaming things or even a comic book movie that he could probably do. Um. But the problem lies in the writing, you know, him writing him, himself. I think this is this is not a great comparison because I didn't want to I don't want to give him this much credit, but it's almost kind of like a George Lucas where I, he has some really good ideas, I think, but he needs he's not a um, a Quentin Tarantino or a Darren Aronofsky or somebody like that, who it's just like, just let him do his thing and get out of the way. You know what I mean? I right. think this this is somebody that has some some good ideas, but probably needs to be collaborating with somebody else on a story rather than it just being all left to him. And 
uh, I probably said this last week, but we watched the new Matrix, and I think there can be a comparison between him and the Wachowskis on a, him on a much smaller scale as a guy who did one really good movie and then kind of build a reputation off of that. And then the, what he's done since then has been not great. Um, so it, I, I do agree with what he said in that article that you mentioned that this movie is trying to do too much because there are all these different characters you ultimately the rock is the the main character i guess by the end but th and this is a two and a half hour movie oh it's so long and but he talks about how oh he would love to oh and, and this part i hadn't mentioned yet that it also said in that article is to somewhat of a smaller degree than happened with Donnie Darko. Uh, and I didn't realize this until reading about it, that this movie has gained kind of a, a cult following as well and will play in independent theaters at times. And they actually, just last year, there was a re-release of it on Blu-ray. But he's talking about, oh, he'd love to finish the movie because it's unfinished and he'd like to expand it to four hours and all of this. And... <laughs> <laughs> you know, watching the movie, it's two and a half, two and a half hours. And Four you're thinking, hours. yeah, my, my big thing with this is it needed much better editing, not to expand it to four hours, to, but to cut it down to 90 minutes. There, there might be a good story in there. But like I say, you, it, there's just too many different things going on and well, too many different factions. Let's pick it apart a little bit if we can. So spoiler alert we're gonna spoil it um i feel like i mean there, I, I suppose there could be the people like you who'd not heard of this movie at all so basically to say if you're a donnie darko fan and you want to see something else that richard kelly did it's it's worth watching from that standpoint just as an oddity but it's a super strange movie that's a mess and doesn't make any sense and doesn't come together basically i think i would have turned it off if I wasn't watching it for this, I and really I watched do. it over. I watched it over two nights. I'll admit two and a half hours. Um, there's so much going on here. So it starts with a sort of a political base, right? It's sort of, and it was made in the early two thousands during the Bush presidency. So it gets into like, Oh, the upcoming there's, it's oddly uh, relevant now yes. in many ways because it projects a future not too far out. For, it projects the 2000 elections, right? And the movie came out in 2005. So, no, no, I'm sorry. It 2006. 2006, but it, pre it, it predicts the, what, the 2008 mm -hmm. election when in our real world, Obama won, but... The uh, ticket is Clinton Lieberman and then these two fictional Republican characters, one of whom we follow as a character in the film. It's it's the right wing thing that the, the country has become hyper polarized, right? Even more so in cartoonish ways that don't feel cartoonish. No. 
now and in 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 and I'd say four out of five of the things don't actually feel that far off, except the fifth one, like military snipers on the top of buildings feels you're like, okay, well, we're not we're not doing that. But yeah. the other four of, of every five things yeah. you're kind of like, yeah, well, that's that kind of came true, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And I don't, I mean. You have to give the the film credit for guessing right on some of these trends continuing to amplify the way they have. Yeah, so that, we meet... it starts out. I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, the, I watching the first few minutes, I was like, "Wow, maybe this movie was really ahead of its time." And early on, I was I was thinking, "Wow, maybe <laughs> this is going to be a really brilliant satire," and then it's not. But there's a part of it that thinks it is and is trying to be. Right. And then there's a part of it that is like the X-Files mystery, like Dwayne Johnson's character wakes up in the desert. We see there's a car explosion. Oh, there were some nukes that went off in Texas. That was the kind of That's 9-11 yeah. event or, or I was thinking kind of January 6th event. There's this polarizing event that has been used to, I think it was a terrorist attack to amplify the wars and drives the country apart. Um, That happens before we see the movie, but it shows it in the beginning as a sort of inciting thing. Um, So then there's this whole other thing where it's like, there's people, there's something going on with the serum that makes people forget or but but it's also a drug and there's different like there's in things you inject into your neck and it's also used as a recreational drug like a high-end thing there is there's a sort of in the political plot line there is a sort of um jeff bezos character played by wallace sean that has invented some new form of electricity that's a hydro-powered thing that does a kind of a tesla field so his new line of vehicles including a big flying machine can be wirelessly powered by this you know new energy and he gets involved in the political plot because of course he's not a good I mean, well, Sean's a good actor, but he in the film, he's not a good actor. He's, you can tell he's up to his own nefarious things. So, and he's got a weird group. He calls himself the wizard and they dress weird. And he's got a cast of weird people that kind of follow him around. And one of them is his mother and one is a dwarf. And one is, I mean, it's a weird comic book group that are his eccentric team. And then we meet... Uh, Sean William Scott, who is a cop, and he's is here. The sort of fringe rebel element are the neo-Marxists, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a left-wing resistance group rather than uh, right-edge sort of storm the capital insurgency. It's um, it's a left-wing insurgency because the right has has retained right power, power, yeah, and has become so entrenched. Um. And they're the ones trying to influence the election somehow by cutting off, collecting severed thumbs. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. They're kind of, they're terrorists. And they've got Sean William Scott and they're trying to stage something where he's, 
filming The Rock as an actor. The Rock is an actor in the movie. He's married to the, the guy running for president's daughter. But he doesn't know who he is. The, the idea is to get them together and get him on tape being racist with the cop who's Sean William Scott and supposedly has a twin brother, right? So right off the bat, you're like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I, I assume it's going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't think it ever really brings it into focus. It turns out there's some kind of um, dimensional rift that the smart people created and they sent Dwayne Johnson through and he appeared nearby like what 69 minutes earlier so there's two of him and they don't know what happens if those two versions of himself come into contact but we don't find any of this out until almost an hour and a half into the two hours into the movie Mm -hmm. it's not clear to me is that what they want to happen is that what they're trying to prevent from happening if they want it to happen, it's sort of like, well, what happens? Oh, it'll collapse the fourth dimension. All of this stuff is like in a screenplay that he wrote, but did he write it or did someone give it to him? Or is it like he wrote it because that was his weird suppressed? It's none of it makes any sense. And then you're also following this other ex-military guy who knows Sean William Scott and is a gunner up on one of these turrets. And he was in Fallujah with, Sean William Scott, who and that's acts, guy's played by Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake, who has a big crazy scar on his face because of friendly fire that is haunted, you know, by his from his best friend, Sean William Scott, who's haunted by it. And he's a drug dealer. But he's and, in movies too, right? Because isn't there there's a scene where one guy was like, yeah, Oh, I love your yeah. movie or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Why why? I don't know. But so at one point, there's just a music video where he starts, he takes drugs and then he starts rapping. But it, I don't think it's Justin Timberlake, right? It didn't I, appear to be, no. And I'm like, why do you cast a singer and not have the singer sing the, I don't know, but there's dancers and stuff in the background and it's this trippy sequence and it's not just some little transitional I'm high. It's a full music video. It's a whole song. And you're just supposed to like put your drink down and be like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. Doesn't forward the plot. Doesn't tell us anything apropos of absolutely nothing. Right. And this movie is just full of this stuff. Full, full, full of this stuff. Um, Are there any other like major plot elements or, or kind of genre parts of this thing that i'm missing because it comes together in a fully supernatural like matrix style ending where the two it turns out that they had sean william scott was a driver that drove the other guy through like i don't know why you would have done that but they did so there's two of him too and And that's the thing those two that come together at the end yeah all three all through the movie they're talking about his brother and he's talking about his brother but it's actually him just another version of him of he doesn't have a brother right or or maybe he does and it's just not because he does talk about his brother the whole time and you're like yeah do you have a twin brother you know because why don't we see all three of you then (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) it's just 
Red, it's a whole bucket full of red herrings is all this movie is. And again, I think this is a guy who had, you know, you all those different kind of plot lines that you mentioned. I think if you'd had an editor to go in and say, okay, let's pick two. We're going to do, two, here's the main story and here's the B story, that we, but right. not five different stories. What is this movie about? <laughs> right? Let's yeah. just nail it down. So, and I don't need it. Like Donnie Darko didn't spoon feed you answers. No. And that didn't bother me in the slightest. So I'm not like, I need a literal linear storytelling. No, Donnie Darko was surreal and strange, but it did keep it fairly close to the vest. We follow Donnie um, throughout the movie as things get weirder and weirder. We're not sure if it's his mental illness or something supernatural. And we never really know. We never really know. He seems to go through some sort of a time loop, but it's not explained and it's not, you know, mm -hmm. I, I love that movie. I think it's a great Me movie. Too. So, I mean, I think that he's just trying to do that, but maybe mashing three different movies all together into one thing. is just such a big pie. And the solution is not to make a four hour movie, mm. right? This is not Blade Runner. No. You're not world building. Incidentally, if Ridley Scott had tried to do that with Blade Runner, I'm like, that's three movies. All right. So <laughs> establish the world of Los Angeles 2019 and then make three movies about each of these crazy things going on. But don't try and smush it all into one movie, especially when it's a bloated two and a half hours. Like yeah. you could have taken a red pencil to this movie and made it better by cutting 45 minutes out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And did you notice it by the end there are some similarities to donnie darko because they're doing there's this time travel thing and you have instead of it being the airplane engine there's an ice cream truck and the clouds come rolling in and all that just like donnie darko yeah um and early on you have so again we kind of think that the rock is our main character but his character is one thing that kept I kept being this is a minor thing, but I kept being perplexed about in the beginning. He's supposed to be missing. Right. It's like they can't they don't know where he is. He's gone right. missing and the media is talking about him. But he is it's like he's doing a ride along with Sean William Scott for his next movie to you know, learn to be a cop or whatever. And he does absolutely nothing to, it's not like he's in disguise or anything. They're going to restaurants and people are seeing him and stuff, but it's like, he's supposed to be missing. He's in hiding or whatever, you know? And he's an, he's an actor, like a name actor. Like, I don't know yeah. if he's Schwarzenegger level at the height of his career, but he Everybody was certainly, who he is. he's certainly Dwayne the Rock Johnson at the, at that point in his career. Like he was mm -hmm. a name that people would have recognized. Yeah. So that it, was really it, weird in me. the movie, like in the terms of the movie, yeah. right? He's a famous, at least a B-list actor. Mm -hmm. And he's throughout most of the movie, he seems to be this very kind of nervous, neurotic guy, which I thought was, yeah, he does a lot. I thought of, was, like, yeah, he he's doing the, th doing like the little... thing with his hands. And I definitely, you know, it's interesting to go back. You can see okay, this guy's going to be a big star. And, you know, watching it, I mean, obviously, you know, we have hindsight that we know he becomes a big star. 
but he puts in a good acting performance that's for most of it is kind of against type for him because he's not an action star running around beating people up, you know, and, and all of this. But by the end, his character is almost completely different. And they have this dumb line that he says more than once. And I think, I think maybe Sean William Scott says too, uh, I'm it's a the, pimp. It's like, yeah. Pimps yeah. don't commit suicide. So he becomes kind of this badass by the end, just out of nowhere. It's it's flabbergasting. I just don't understand. It's in voiceover at the end when Sean William Scott has decided to forgive himself for accidentally shooting his buddy. And it's Justin Timberlake is his buddy. It, Justin Timberlake has voiceovers through, throughout with sort of a half-baked Southern accent. Like, oh... People who go to Fallujah have a Southern accent, but it's vague. Like, are you from Tennessee? Are you from Georgia? Like, where in this, you know, doesn't, there's nothing in the story that need, means he has to have a Southern accent. He has a, the stupidest goatee. Anywho, uh, it's that, that's the last line of the movie is like, no, because he's my, my friend is a pimp and pimps don't kill themselves. Like, we're all supposed to be like, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Yeah. What is that even? What are you talking about? Why are multiple characters saying this? Uh, when was that part of the four-hour version that got? I'm like, I just have no, no idea how to get an angle. And there's a sort of a tango scene at the end, and this political thing where he's like, so he lost his memory or something, and he's shacked up with this porn star, but then he sort of remembers that he's married to the daughter of this, you know, presidential wannabe, the senator. Mm -hmm. And it becomes this kind of weird love triangle where the two are like jealous of each other for him. And so he tangos with his wife and then he tangos with the other woman and then sort of stands there with this really weird, creepy look on his face while the two of them tango together. And I'm like, and this scene goes on and on. This is five or six minutes. I'm like, what is happening? what what part of the story is this telling mm -hmm. and none of them seem to know how to act in that scene meaning none of them seems to know what's going on he has right. a he has an expression on his face that is like if he hadn't masked it with some professionally professional wrestling expertise would have been a deer in the headlights. He's standing there like, what am I, you know, why is my character doing that? Why are we doing this now? Nobody seems to know. I just, and yet it feels like the director's like, yes, per yes, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. And I'm like, what, what are you looking for? <laughs> because I don't, they don't see it there in the movie and I don't see it, you know? And it's funny happening? that- with this two hour and a half almost runtime, because he has all of these different ideas and all of these different plot lines, almost no nothing ever gets completely fleshed out. So you have, you know, you have the totalitarian, total totalitarian government thing that he's kind of predicting, which is really interesting, right? You also have with Sarah Michelle Geller as this porn star, 
Uh, and it's not like this was totally original because you would have had the Kardashians and you would have had Paris Hilton, you know, at the time and all of that. But it's kind of predicting the social media influencers of now because she's this porn star, but she wants to have a singing career and, you know, wants to have and clothing, a clothing line, line and all this and, kind of stuff. Yeah. And she does a good job with her performance, but they never flesh her out to, you know, it's kind of like, okay, nope. maybe we would focus on her some because that could be interesting, but she just has, you know, scenes just sort of happen. The whole movie spends a lot of time making fun of itself and making fun of its characters. And they've got Sarah Michelle Gellar in there playing a character that just seems to be there for the purposes of satire. Like it's just a parody. She's not a real person. Yeah. She's a celebrity influencer, porn star. <laughs> Get it? Isn't it crazy? And you're like, yeah, but you cast a name actor, like give her something to do. Like, why is this character here? Why isn't she just somebody that we see on the TV in the background? Right? Make your point that way. Why is she a central character of this film? She's not even human. And then John Levitz comes in as sort of a psychotic cop. And we don't know what this dude's deal is. Is he working for the smart people? Is he just a rogue nut job? I feel like he was sort of with Sherry O'Terry, who is one of the Marxists. And right. So you're just like, it's all supposed to be like layers within layers within when you peel the onion, like, dude, there's, it's just a big sack of layers. It's not an onion. (laughs) You know, it's like I'm pawing through these layers, trying to figure out what's going on. And that's not because the movie is trying. It's not because there's all this other stuff going on. It didn't feel the movie was oddly boring. Like I I didn't feel like. In that article, he talks about it like it's the Fast and the Furious and he just ran out of time or something, you know, like if I had four hours, I could have tied some of this stuff off. And you're like, what stuff? It's just these loose associations it doesn't need to be two and a half hours i didn't feel like it was going anywhere where when it got to where it got where it was going i was more confused than when i started and not in a good donnie darko way like uh like i sat through two and a half hours of this for that yeah (laughs) yeah it very much feels to me like okay it's like a person who gets a shot at doing a movie <laughs> and it's like, this is your one shot that you're going to get. And I'm just going to throw all the ideas that I have into it. You know, there's satire and there's time travel and there's, you know, uh, political criticism and all of this. It very much, I've always thought this was a really gross expression, but this is very much like him smelling his own farts, Yeah, you know? Yeah, um, feels the, because because the movie thinks it's really really smart. Oh, the movie thinks it's brilliant. It's like yeah. this is my mag, this is my mic drop movie. Yeah, and you're like, what is the wrong with you? Like you, <laughs> you, know, you really aren't. I mean, because on the one hand, it is a professionally made film. Yeah, he got the money together, right? I mean, somebody studio threw money at him or something, but. And everybody showed up and they got a movie in the can, right? I'm making a movie. I'm not pretending like it's easy. 
Um, and it looks great. I mean, if you're if you watch the trailer of it, I was really excited watching the trailer. I was like, look at all these people that are in this. And it looks funny. It's a bunch of funny people, but it also looks like it's, you know, one of those things that's kind of a black comedy or a comma drama where it's like has some bigger story to tell. But along the way, you get all these great. I was really excited. I'm like, have I never heard of this? Mm -hmm. And now I know why I've never heard of this. But I was laughing a minute ago because I was remembering the Amy Poehler scene. So there's this whole setup where they're dressed up as a husband and wife and They've got squibs on them and Sean William Scott's supposed to come in as a cop with Dwayne Johnson, who's filming him and fire a couple of blanks and kill these two people, kill them. Like in the, the rock is supposed to have it on camera and they're going to use it to blackmail him or something. I mean, it's very, very strange. And that's when the John Lovitz cop shows up and actually executes the two actors but the scene that they are the scene that they are doing is so funny it is, it is so funny they all have prosthetic noses way over the top prosthetic noses like the funniest jimmy durante prosthetic noses and he has got these like rabbit sized buck teeth and she's got, I mean, they look hilarious, first of all. They look hilarious. And then they just start improv. And she's in a full wedding dress. Like, she's, like they just came from their wedding. <laughs> and they're, they're having an argument that's supposed to sound like a domestic disturbance that attracts the police anyway. So they're like, okay, here they come. They're rounding the corner. And Sean William Scott's driving, he's in on it, so he knows where he's going. But then they start yelling at each other, right? When they go into their scene, they start yelling at each other. And she is just yelling at him on how she loves to be unfaithful to him and all the guys that she slept with and all the things she does with him. And he's just going, what, you liked it? She's like, oh, I love it. He's like, oh. <laughs> I went back and I, I watched it twice. It was so so funny but then john lovitz comes in and he shoots them and there's a kid on the other end waiting for the sound of the gunshot to trigger the squib it's supposed to keep being funny but this cop just comes in and we know it's real and he just plugs two people in the chest and then it's like blam and the hole blows up on their chest and then the the guy triggers the squib and the second squib. little squib goes off and you can tell that we're supposed to that's supposed to be jacking the comedy up even higher where we're like oh that's the cherry on the cake but no we just watched two people get executed mm -hmm. it's not it's suddenly it's not funny anymore it's not funny watching somebody get you know and it's not like whoops i tripped in a bowling ball hit and donked me on the noggin and oh now he's oh he died no especially, it's a cop comes in and shoots two people especially and you know, not that this wasn't happening at the time, but I feel like in the 15 years or whatever since this movie came out, yeah, yeah, we've had so many police shootings, you know, where it's like, wow, this is really not funny now, <laughs> yeah. You like, know. there's um, not, there's not a lot of comic, uh, gra fertile ground there, um, yeah, that's a yeah. good point, and yeah, it's so it, the tone is weird because 
when you go back to Donnie Darko, that is a film with, there are funny lines in it for sure. There are funny scenes, but overall it's a drama and yeah. it's a pretty sad, you know, by the time you get to the end of the f- movie, it's a really sad film. Yeah. Whereas this is presumably primarily a comedy. Right. It's a satire, it's a spoof, whatever. Right. And I don't think he has the writing chops to do a two and a half hour comedy with a little bit of drama in it, you know? So this is kind of reverse of Donnie Darko. It's, I think it's overall meant to be funny with, but you know, like you're talking about uh, with Amy Poehler and, and I'm sorry, I don't know what the, the actor that's working with her, what his name is, but again, overall, I think all of the performances are really good in this. Yeah, John William Scott does it. Now he's not funny in it. I mean, he's, he's, no, he's really the straight man. Yeah. He's the straight man. But again, I feel like the movie and could just be about him. John Larroquette and, also, who is a John really Larroquette. funny, but he's playing this dead straight. You know what I mean? There is yeah. not, he doesn't, there's even places he could have played it for levity and he, he doesn't. He plays it like it's a political thriller. And I, there's a part of me that feels like from scene to scene or storyline to storyline, some of these actors think they're in a different movie than the director was making. And John Larroquette's the perfect example of that. I mean, he seemed to be doing like all the president's men or something. And yeah, you know, this just popped into my head. And this, again, I'm, I'm you know, throwing out like comparing him to George Lucas. And, and here's another, um, here's another, I wonder if he, did you ever see any of Robert Altman's movies like The Player or sure. yeah. uh, Shortcuts? You know, this almost feels like he's trying to do that. It, it didn't occur to me during the movie, but it just kind of popped into my head now. Because it's yeah. L.A. Yeah, it's L.A. and you have all these quirky characters and actors everything. playing inside the industry. Yeah, stuff. a lot of inside. So I wonder, I kind of wonder if it's like, oh, man, I love Robert Altman and I'm going to throw some of that in there. But it's it's like trying to do Robert Altman poorly. Yeah, and... Emulating Robert, it's tough because yeah. I don't know anybody else that I would say, oh, like Robert Altman and these other filmmakers. I mean, he's kind of unique in the in the way right. that he doesn't. And I don't know that it always feels like you talk about the player. The player is so meta that I, I almost was like, well, I need to be a Hollywood insider to get some of these jokes. You know what I mean? Like I, as the ticket buying audience, I almost feel sometimes like Robert Altman's movies aren't really made for me. They're made for the other industry people in Hollywood that are literally inside the movies. I mean, is, I'm not saying they're not good movies. I'm just saying, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I love the player. Yeah. And yeah. that would be, it's one of my favorites all time, really. Yeah. Um, one speaking of Robert Altman, this is one diversion, but I sent you an article. I don't know if you read it or not, but that the uh, when they filmed Popeye uh, with um, Robin Williams, that that was I believe it was Malta was where they filmed it. And, and they left all the sets there. And now it's a theme park that you can go to. No kidding. Yeah. It's just this mini theme park and they reenact 
they have uh, like singers and dancers that dress up like Popeye and olive oil and all this. And I've thought, man, that would be pretty amazing to go and see because all these all these <laughs> sets are there. That would be a trip because that movie is crazy. And not surprisingly, uh, I read, I just stumbled upon that and read an article about the making of the movie. And um, that was one, you know, I've not seen that since I was a kid and I like watched it as a kid, you know, liking the Popeye cartoons and it's super weird. Yes. Um, But they were just talking about basically everybody or nearly everybody involved with the film, including Robert Altman, was just drunk and stoned the whole <laughs> during the whole filming and everything. I think Shelley Duvall as Olive Oil is just yeah, that's really cast, casting, that's right? casting genius, is what that mm-hmm. is. You see her on screen, you're like, there it is. Like, how would that crazy animated character Olive Oil look in a live action? Oh, oh like that <laughs> i mean it's just one of those things where you're like nobody else nobody else could ever play that role now that's she's olive oil yeah. for better or for worse <laughs> yeah yeah yes but, uh, yeah yes. so robert like i say not a i don't mean that to be a literal comparison richard kelly to, to right. robert altman but i wonder if there was some a little bit of influence there i don't know it's, but it's uh, just it's yeah. just a classic uh mess it's just a classic mess. I wonder I really if going back and watching it a second time would bear any fruit, but I don't have any interest in watching it a second time. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, did I miss little stuff? Because I didn't feel like it. I felt like I was sitting around waiting on this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody delivers a line and the other person delivers a line and they've communicated the important information of this scene at a cafe but then they keep talking for a couple of minutes about nothing. Yeah, you're I'm just like, waiting. I'm for like, all okay, what's next? What's next? You know, come on. You're come waiting on, for on. all these different storylines to come together and they never do. It's more than that. I mean, yes, but it's more than mm-hmm. that, though. I feel like there's just a lot of air in this movie. There's a lot of fat. Yeah. That some of it is because it thinks it's so clever. And some of it is because... I don't know. Maybe it feels like it needs to put some flesh on the bones of this. It's like, you don't, it's fine. There's plenty of flesh in this movie. <laughs> Just in a way in an alternate universe, you would almost, it would be interesting to see what would happen if somebody gave him the money and he was able to do exactly what make it four hours. And I don't know what that would be. I mean, maybe it no. would make sense, but no. I don't think so. No, it doesn't feel like it would make sense. No. I'd like to see an edit of this movie that is, 80 minutes Mm -hmm. that is just the plot line and it starts it starts with what we don't ever see in this film which is the two guys going through the rift yeah and it's just that plot line they don't have to explain it but it's x-files it's like you see you know a huge spatial like vagina open up Mm -hmm. and they drive through it in their car or whatever whatever it looks like exactly um, and then, you know, the body appears in the desert, which we do see, and then we can cut to the political machinations or whatever, but so that it begins and ends with this idea of, um, oh, the rock went through a rift and now there's two of them. Oh, he wasn't alone. Oh, Sean, that's the Shyamalan twist is that he didn't go through alone. It's actually 
two other guys and it's the other guy that gets together for whatever reason that's important yeah um and and just that movie just that movie and cut whatever doesn't support that plot line cut the music video right i don't know yeah. what purpose that character has in the film at all except that he's the guy that sean william scott feels guilty about having accidentally shot right yeah yeah and and i kept thinking at times with his especially early on with his narration you know there's always the rule of in films with show don't tell yeah and it's like when you have to do this much exp position you, you you don't have a real well-written script you know where it's like oh you have to do all this info dump at the beginning to explain everything to the audience yeah which you still don't understand even at with his narration throughout i'm watching a bunch of films for the festival right now and by far the majority of ones that we got are are short form you know 15 minutes or less and there's a couple of exceptions. There's a couple of 30, you know, 20 to 30 minute films that need that time to do what they're doing, you know, and they are structured like a half hour episode of a television program. Mm -hmm. They have that arc and that timeline very down, but most of the ones that are 20 minutes and longer feel too long. I'm like yeah. this is a 22 minute movie and this could be a 12 minute movie you know a lot of the little tiny ones some of them are student things um are silent there's just no dialogue there's no voiceover you know sometimes somebody will look down and there's something written on a piece of paper that has something you know they open a note or a letter but for the most part they're just telling a story visually and they're not all great but some of them are really good and you're like, you know, this is a three minute movie. It's just this one little thing. You know, we watch a woman come in <coughs> from the street. You know, she's clearly having an experience. She's very upset. We watch her get on the elevator, ride the elevator up to her house. And, and just before the elevator doors open and she goes into her apartment, she like pulls herself together. Right. And she goes in and there's a line of dialogue with her husband and she has a line of dialogue and we realize a bunch of things, but that's it. You know, it, it just tells this very vivid moment super clearly and super effectively. Mm -hmm. And it's not like it takes her too long to cross the street, doesn't take her too long to get the mail out of the, you know, she's not in the elevator too long, she's in just long enough for you to get it and be there with her, right? And then the next thing happens. Three minutes long, and it doesn't feel longer. You know, it feels like a minute and a half because it's good. So doing that in a two and a half hour movie is hard, right? Oh, yeah. But show, don't tell, and this movie does a ton of telling. It's just a ton of blah, blah, blah. And I think that's part of why he casts comedic actors. He's like, oh, no, I'll just let him riff. You're like, well, do we have time for that? Yeah. <laughs> keep the story moving. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, so, you know, would we recommend it? Would you recommend it? Um, again, it, 
for people who, if, if you've seen Donnie Darko and you haven't seen anything else that he's done as just a kind of an oddity, a curiosity, I would say whatever, but otherwise I would not really recommend it. One little tiny uh, thing that's not really important that I wanted to add is I was struck with how different the rock looks. Mm. How much bigger is that guy now than, mm. I mean, he's, he's big and muscular and everything, but he kind of almost just looks like a normal, really fit actor. You know what I yeah. mean? And at the end when he's in the suit, he just looks kind of skinny. And now he's just this giant Hulk, you know? There's a thing at the end where he throws his arms out and we're behind him and we see that he has a Jesus tattoo between the shoulder blades, but that Jesus tattoo, it's like bleeds through his shirt like it's stigmata or something, mm -hmm. like the Shroud of Turin. And I'm like, this is just one of a million examples. I'm like, moving. what are you telling us here? Yeah. So he's a Christ figure? Yeah. I just... <laughs> more smart fart smelling of his yeah of his I, I didn't so would i recommend it i don't in i didn't enjoy this movie but it's bonkers and i'm glad that we watched it mm -hmm. because it's kind of a unicorn in that way you know we talk about those cinematic unicorns and i think flash gordon is kind of a unicorn yeah for all the all the reasons that made it crazy i didn't I didn't enjoy watching it as much as I thought I was going to and rewatching it, which is why I think we both ultimately decided, you know, from, from sitting on a couch with some popcorn, is this what you want to be doing Friday night? I'm like, probably not. Unless you're like us, if you and I were wanted to watch a movie like this, then maybe that'd be fun. So if you're a movie nerd and you're into it and you want to see how things can go wrong, this is a great example. I, I don't know that I've ever seen another movie quite like this. It's crazy and it almost it's almost trying not to work somehow. Mm -hmm. It's hard to describe. But the net result of it is like when I watch The Room, The Room is a disaster. Yeah. And yet, and yet, somehow The Room is actually, I found it entertaining to watch from start to finish. Like, how is that possible? How can it be that bad? and not be unwatchable but it is this one i mean it wasn't unwatchable but this one i found boring and i didn't particularly enjoy it so if you want yeah, to watch I mean, it as a, like, like a homework piece then it's not even like you could put this on at a party with some friends and other than just saying oh it's that guy or it's that you know that woman right it's not right fun no it would be if you had it on at a party, it would be an inside joke. Like, yeah. because you would just see The Rock and Sean William Scott and Sarah Michelle Gellar. And, you know, people would be like, oh, what, what movie is that? I don't know that movie. But they wouldn't stick on it. And then right. somebody like you or me would walk and be like, is that Southland Tales? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you'd be like, oh, I didn't know anybody was going to get it. I'm like, that's the yeah. kind of movie. It's a, exactly. it's a punchline. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I think the idea of him wanting to go back and quote unquote finish it, make a four hour version is. It's hilarious. It, I, I don't know. Hubris man. is the right word, I think, you know, I mean, it's I tell you like, what, I'll, I'll, I'll let you do this. Let, show me the storyboard and I'll take a look at the storyboard of the four hour version. OK, and we'll start. Yeah. There. <laughs> like, yeah, like I was saying, I have to guess 
that the studio was just like, we don't understand this, but Donnie Darko was this underground hit and you know, they've gotten all these celebrities to in the, sure. You know, who knows, who knows if this is true, but uh, sure. The, he talks about how on board the rock was and, you know, he really yeah. gave it his all and everything. And I imagine he, he probably did. Um, Look, I don't I, wish the guy any ill. No, uh, no. At all. And I know, I know I can sound snarky, like, Oh, I, I don't think I could have made a better movie. I'm not being like, you know, what he should have done was like, I could make it better. I, absolutely not. I thought Donnie Darko's Donnie Darko is one of my favorite movies. Me too. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that you could accidentally make Donnie Darko, right. No. That just doesn't accidentally happen. Right. So yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, I think maybe this was just one of those second projects where you want to go big and you swing for too much you know you bite off more than you can chew or something like that um and and you know he hasn't done anything that we're aware of since 2009 and there are certainly less talented filmmakers than him 100 who are who are getting to make movies and shows so i think it's a shame that he hasn't really done anything else and right. i hope that he gets a chance because I really think he is somebody again with some collaboration with some other people. Right. But he might be able to make a really cool Netflix series or, you know, something for Amazon or, or whatever. Sure. Um, but that's, that's exactly somebody what, in there to tighten things up. Yeah. To whom he would have to be accountable. And I don't necessarily you mean don't a big want studio a, suit. You don't want somebody micromanaging you, but you want guardrails. You don't want a, you want a George Lucas original trilogy where he had other people in there that were like, ah, this, that's a really great idea, George, but this idea, that's stupid. We're going to cut that out, you know? And so you don't want a prequel George Lucas where he's just surrounded by yes men who just let him do whatever he wants to do. And, right. and it's, you know, so yeah, this guy with some other talented people around him to you know help him flesh things out and get rid you know excise the the stuff that's too pretentious and doesn't make sense you know something cool could could come out of this yeah. i could see him doing something along the lines of uh the netflix show that we watched uh brand new cherry flavor oh yeah that's super weird and has a lot of different ideas and everything but yeah. it, it works yeah yeah and it clicked right along I mean, yeah. look, weird and inexplicable and mixed genre like comedy, sci-fi or comedy drama or even, you know, comedy drama and the sci-fi genre. It Like there's plenty of examples where that that can work. I think my main beef with this movie is I didn't find it and I didn't enjoy the ride, No, you know. And I don't, it doesn't need to be a laugh factory, but I need, there needs to be something that I appreciate in it as it goes along. And this thing lost me pretty early yeah, and never got me back. And that plus, I don't understand what's happening is kind of, well, it's $350,000 gross on a $17.8 million movie is what that is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, sure. So, so what do you think about uh, next week or next 
episode. Right. Well, you you have been sending me stuff about Pumpkinhead, which I've never seen. Is that something that you want to do? Or sure, yeah. Or was there another? We, we, we were talking about something um, else. Too. We, I mean, this is a very different. Uh, but we ta- I sent you the trailer for uh, Pig, which is this uh, uh, Nick Cage. Nick Cage movie. Uh, I didn't is, watch that trailer that, yet. Is that's a drama. Oh, you didn't you didn't watch the trailer? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, watch the trailer. Um, yes, it's supposed to be very depressing, but it's supposed to be a great subdued performance by uh, a little, you know, a little bit of maybe Oscar buzz for him. Um, well, so, I've never actually seen Leaving Las Vegas either. You know, and I never have either. I don't, I don't think in its entirety. Yeah, I, I it was nominated for a bunch of stuff. Now, that's a depressing movie, but that's a sure. two hander. That I think the acting, I don't remember, maybe he did get nominated for best actor in that, but yeah. Um, but how about, how about if we do, how about if we do uh, Pumpkinhead and then we can, that's at least, a, I mean, I haven't seen it since 1990 or something like that, but, but that's at least a fun one. Yeah. So, all right. So we're going right. to do, we're going to do Pumpkinhead. For next time, it's From, a good old-fashioned... I think old it's fashioned, like 88, 87, 88, Yes, like that. back into our decade and certainly back into the horror wheelhouse yeah. as we move into the cold months of the year. Um, Chris and Chris Talk Movies at gmail.com. If you're watching us on YouTube, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe. Like, and give us thumbs like up. it. Give us a little comment saying... Thank you, and we love you. Something nice would be nice. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We like that. Um, and if you were listening to us on the podcast, then God bless you, and thank you so much for listening to us talk about movies. <laughs> <laughs> really important use of your time, but we appreciate hey, it. Hey, these are always the ones that, for whatever reason, we get the most interest from. I know. That, when you know. look at the metrics of the things that have most listened to, it's... It's a, it's an interesting bunch of films. Yeah. Who, who knows what drives that? Um, anyway, uh, yes, uh, all the socials. I guess we're not too active on the socials, but Pumpkinhead Instagram for next week. I'm the most active on yeah. Instagram. Twitter some. Um, excellent. All right. Do you have anything else to add? No, that's it. Neither do I. So we will talk to you next week.